0: the sunday sermons podcast well good morning and welcome again to morrison hill we always say welcome several times we always thank you for being here because we genuinely appreciate the opportunity to serve you and to welcome you into the presence of god into our presence and try to all of us become more faithful followers of jesus i'd also like to wish you happy valentine's day um I, I, I know some people like that more than others. It's a little creepy to some people, actually. It, it, for, for example, here's an idea. If you want to take a really nice romantic uh, uh, Valentine's Day. Are we, do we not have slides? There they come. Here we go. If we, this is important. These, if you'd like to, you could go to Rome and see the skull of St. Valentine. And if you want, you could take a road trip and see all the other bones. They're spread out between a whole bunch of cathedrals throughout Europe. Uh, he is the patron saint of engaged couples, happy marriages, beekeepers, epilepsy, the plague, fainting, and traveling. So there you go, traveling's on the list. <laughs> What we now call Valentine's Day actually kind of got, got it started in the 1840s when they started printing out the cheap little valentines. What a lot of people don't know is that most of the early ones were actually what they called vinegar valentines because the idea of Valentine's Day was be mine today and you had to break up with the other person to be with that person today. Here's, here's a real one from that era. It says, "'Tis a lemon that I hand you and bid you now skidoo." I don't know what that means. Tis a lemon that I hand you and bid you now skidoo. Because I love another, there is no chance for you. (laughs) How how would you like to get that one in the mail or get handed to you? Happy Valentine's Day. Woo-woo. I I know some people do love it, and I hope that those of you who have someone that you love dearly, it's great. But for those of you who call it Singles Awareness Day or just find it creepy, I I feel you too. So happy Valentine's Day. But here, we're going to jump right in. Honestly, this is actually going to tie back in at some point, I promise, but we're going to jump right in where we really are today. This is the sixth day in a series called Definition where we're walking through our church's mission statement and we're looking at why we chose this as our mission statement where we get that out of the bible why jesus said he did what exactly we mean and how to get better at it and today we are all the way up to the word followers if you miss the other ones i hope you go back you can listen to them or watch them online but this is where we're at today sometimes we've had a list of things we intentionally just left the number one i know i know we don't really need a number since there's only one but i want to emphasize this If you look for all the definitions of followers in the dictionary, there's only one that applies to following Jesus. And it's this one. People who are devoted to a specific person, cause, or activity. It does not mean subscribing to someone or liking them on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. It does not mean a lot of other things that the word followers now means. It only means this one. And specifically, we're going to be looking at what Jesus said about it. And here's the bottom line. I'll just lay it out here for you. Basically what Jesus means is followers are, this is who they are. This is what they do. You are a follower of Jesus or you are not. A good way to see how it kind of works is the old game uh, of follow the leader. Anybody play that when you were a kid? Some of us played that a lot longer than just when we were kids. Um, That's a good game. Um, but basically in follow the leader, all you have to do is go wherever the leader goes and do whatever the leader does or tells you to do. Uh, that, that's, that's pretty much all there is to it. There's a lot of other situations in life where you have to do that. If you're in an orchestra and there's a conductor, or there's a, there's a lot of different situations where you need to do that. But this is closer to the idea of what it means to follow Jesus than anything, I can else, anything else that I can think of. Here's what Jesus said in Mark 8, 34. Then he called the crowds to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple, and by the way, disciple just means follower. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. We're going to look exactly what he meant by those three things, what we mean by them, because that's what we mean by helping people become followers of Jesus. To, to follow Jesus, you have to follow Jesus his way. You're devoted to the person of Jesus, the cause that Jesus calls us to, the activities that Jesus commands us to do. There is no other way to follow Jesus. And the first thing that he says is to deny ourselves. Would you say that out loud with me? Let's say it as a statement, we deny ourselves. Now this one's misunderstood sometimes because denying yourself might sound like I don't know, not eating a second cookie or something like that. Maybe straight up fasting. Uh, Denying yourself means you're kind of intentionally suffering or something like that. And that's not what he means. What he means is we trade whatever competes for our loyalty to him for whatever deepens our relationship with him. We trade every other possible love or loyalty for our loyalty to Jesus. He comes first. We deny our own stubborn hearts. We deny any other false counterfeit God there may be. We invest everything in the kingdom of heaven. To deny yourself is to say that Jesus is the only thing that matters to you more than anything else. This is consistent. This is how Jesus called people every time. Here's one example from Mark chapter 1, him calling his disciples, four of them at least. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. This is who they were. This is what they did. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And once they left their nets and followed him. Jesus is not asking them to hate fishing or judge fishing. He's not saying they had lived their lives in sin to be fishermen. He's saying that is who you used to be. That is what you used to do. I'm inviting you to put me first now. You are going to be my followers. And what are you going to do? What I tell you to do. Your identity is changing today. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Again, the point is not that he's, they're rejecting fishing as an industry. They're rejecting their father, rejecting their former employees. That's not the point. The point is, that is who you used to be. That is what your life used to be about. This is what you used to do. I'm asking you to follow me instead. To deny yourself is to reject just any other things that are going to compete with loyalty to God. As with all the really big ideas in the New Testament, there's some sort of foreshadowing in the Old Testament. This one's very, very clear. In the Ten Commandments, four of them have to do with putting God first. The other six have to do with expressing that by loving your neighbor as yourself. But in those four, they're, they're intentionally redundant. It's God saying, I am your only God. You can't have any other God. I, I'm the only one. You can't make idols. You can only worship me. You, I need a special day. I need a special do, do you follow me? Does this sound familiar? He's very serious about this. I am the only one. You follow me. And one of the ones that's most often misunderstood is the command to not take his name in vain. Now, I want to say out loud, I've said this before, you might have heard me, I I think it's worth repeating. Please do not misuse God's name as in using his name or the name of Jesus as some sort of an expletive. I don't want you using my name like that. I respect you too much to use your name like that. I'm not going to yell out your name because I'm afraid or disgusted or angry or surprised or excited. And I hope you don't do that with God's name Either That's not cool. But that's not really what that command is about. That command is saying, don't you dare call yourself a follower of God and not follow God's rules. Don't you dare take my name in vain. Say, I am a Jesus follower, but don't actually follow Jesus. Does that, does that make sense? That's what that command is really about. And this is consistent throughout scripture. You follow him or you don't. And when you follow him, you deny yourself and every other competing counterfeit God there may be. And you follow Jesus. Jesus. We see this even, he refines it further. There's not just 10 commands, there's a bunch. And then they added to them too. But all the ones that God added to those original 10, they were trying to remind them to refine, they were reminding them, I am the one in charge here. Even the things that make sense to you, even when you're trying to do the right thing, that's not enough. He Points back to me. Here's an example. Exodus 23 verses two to three. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. Do not show favoritism to a poor person in a lawsuit. Now, if you've read the Bible at all, if you've heard the voice of Jesus at all, you know he really cares about poor people. But he's saying, hey, justice is justice righteousness is righteousness. I make these rules. And just because you feel sorry for somebody doesn't mean you can break the law for them. Just because the crowd wants to root for the underdog that day doesn't mean that you need to vote that way or you need to judge them that way. Does that make sense? Amen. What you, God makes these rules. Period. Period. Psalm 81, 11 through 16, God is kind of almost Crying here, he says, but my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. If my people would only listen to me. If Israel would only follow my ways. And then he goes on through the rest of that psalm saying, here's what I'd love to do for them. Here's what I'd love our relationship to look like. Here's the things I'd like to protect them from and the things I'd like to do for them. I'd love that so much. That's not how it is. They've chosen their own stubborn hearts and they've chosen just about every other possible fake God there is instead of me. So because you love another, I bid you now skidoo. I told you that would come back around. See, see, God doesn't reject us just because He wants to be with somebody else. He, but, but there is this thing in Scripture. I, I know it can be controversial. There's this other reason Wait, we don't have, but I want you to see this. This is something that's in Scripture several times where He's warning us, There is something that happens. In the in the New Testament, in Romans chapter one, Paul talks about this slippery slope that starts with we put God first and we worship him as God, the creator, the one who makes all the rules. But then we start doubting a few things or we start doing a few and it slides all the way down until he finally gives us over. To our own stubbornness and our own sin. And eventually we can reach this point where what we used to be, what used to be condemned by God is the very thing that we say, no, this is what I do. This is who I am. I approve of people who do this and I do this myself. And if God says otherwise, too bad for God. This is a process that you see in Scripture. Romans 1, go look it up, read the whole thing if you want. But in the middle, again, it's the same phrase as in the Old Testament. Because of this, God gave them over. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but also approve of those who practice them. We absolutely must not allow ourselves... To go down that slippery slope. To follow Jesus is to deny ourselves, our own ideas, our own feelings, our own whatever else, all the things that we don't understand or like about God. Who cares what you think? Are you following God or not? Amen. If you're a Jesus follower, that's what it means. It's not necessarily suffering, but if suffering's what it takes, there it is. It's all about following Jesus. One of the saddest stories is often called the, the rich young ruler. It doesn't really tell us what he was in charge of. I don't know why we always call him a ruler, but it does say he's rich. It does say he came and he fell on his knees before Jesus and he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I love that Jesus said, he, it says he looked at him and loved him. It helps me understand what happens next a little better. Mark 10 verses 21 to 22 is what Jesus said. See, see this guy, he's, he comes to Jesus, he asks this question, but then Jesus kind of gives him a generic answer to start him out. He goes, well, what, follow the commandments, you know. You. And the guy goes, yeah, I know. I've done that since I was a child. I got that down. One thing you lacked, Jesus said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. See, I told you you love the poor. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Just like his disciples, Jesus wasn't asking him to say that wealth is wrong, that it's a sin to invest your money wisely or anything like that. But he's saying, this is who you used to be. You were a rich dude. You were a guy with money. You were a guy with a lot of stuff. I'm asking you to put that aside and instead, now you're going to be a Christ follower. And the guy chose his riches instead. And Jesus took this opportunity to use it as a teaching moment and tell people, he's like, I know it's really hard. I know it's really hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of God, but with God, all things are possible. And Peter says, hey, we gave up a lot for you. Peter's always kind of jumping in. What about us? What about us? Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. once again, to follow Jesus, we reject everything but Jesus. It's not that we hate it. It's not that we we, we judge it or judge those people or hate those people. It's Jesus comes first, period. Second thing he says we have to do is to take up our crosses. Now this one's very often misunderstood. How many have ever heard somebody say, that's just my cross to bear, I guess. Have you ever heard somebody say something like that? And usually it's something like, you know, my, my coffee is cold. I guess that's just my cross to bear. Or I just have an old car. I guess that's my cross to bear. Uh, I, I want to make sure you understand this. Jesus is not just randomly assigned annoying things to us because we all need a cross to bear. That's not what he's talking about. That's not, that's not what that means. What he's saying is we accept the roles that he gives us. We lock ourselves into them. Jesus knew what the plan was before he even was born. But even up until the Garden of Gethsemane, he's still wrestling with what he has to do. It's still painful to him. It's still scary to him. The human part of him is still really struggling with this. But by the time he is carrying his own cross up that hill, he is locked in. There is no turning back. He has decided to do what he's going to do, and there is no turning back. That's what it means to take up your cross. Paul writes this, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this dark world, but... Be transformed by the renewing of your minds, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, what his good, perfect, and pleasing will is. We are, to take up your cross is to guarantee you are going to live your life daily as a living sacrifice. You are locking yourself in. In. Watch, here's another Old Testament example. Uh, uh, do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. You don't even leave the pieces of the idol and the stones they sat on. You, you destroy the whole thing couple weeks ago I shared the story of Elijah calling Elisha and Elisha to go follow Elijah he destroys his plow and kills his oxen and cooks his oxen on the wood from his plow and feeds his friends and family and walks away that's what it looks like to take up your cross and follow Jesus you burn the bridges you, you, you lock yourself into this you, you take you get rid of all the escape routes you're done and Jesus expects this kind of extreme loyalty because he knows, listen, he knows that all the other paths lead to places we don't really want to go. We think we want to go there. They look pretty stinking good the first couple steps down that path. But we know, he knows better. In Proverbs chapter 7, there's an extended metaphor about the dangers of sex outside of marriage. The guy is looking out a window and he sees this young single guy being seduced by a married woman. And he says, all at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose. That's not what the young guy thought was happening. You know what I'm saying? He thought it was a pretty good day. And maybe it was a good day, but Jesus knows what was going on on the rest of that path. He knew where that path was going to take him. Does this make sense? You see what I'm saying? And so when Jesus is asking our extreme loyalty, you just follow me. You go where I say. You don't go where I say don't go. He's he's doing that out of love. It's important that we remember that because he says some pretty scary and weird things sometimes. If we understand that it's always going to be out of love, it makes a little bit more sense. For example... Matthew 10, 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Once again, if you've read your Bible at all, if you've listened to the voice of Jesus in any way at all, you know that he's all about peace. But if you pay attention, he says, I want to give you a peace that the world cannot give. The peace that I give you is a peace the world cannot give. Give. and that's part of what he's saying here is I can't give you the kind of peace the world wants to have because that's not real peace it doesn't work one of the things that's been incredibly heartbreaking to me and countless others over this past year has been all the tension between so many different groups including racial tension it's been heartbreaking to see all this stuff happen but it hadn't been that's not the first year that that's happened that's been going on for a long time. How many of you guys remember the Rodney King thing back in 1992? You remember that? Unlike George Floyd and a few other people, he actually lived through that experience and got to go on TV. And this is basically what he said. Can we all get along? Can we get along? And it helped in the moment, I think, a little bit, kind of shut down some of the riots. But hear me on this. I think... Jesus saying what he's saying here he would have said no no you can't just get along that's not the kind of peace that I'm trying to give you if you primarily identify yourself as a white person a black person an uh, Asian person a Latino person a Democrat or Republican or whatever else this is who I am this is what I do but I do try to get along with everybody that's not peace And that's not going to work. And that's not what Jesus has come to do. His solution is, I am the good shepherd. Everybody else is a thief. They're to kill and steal and destroy. You should follow me. You should know my voice. You learn to know my voice. You run away from everybody else. You find life to the full in me. When all of you guys are all in the same flock, you're following the same shepherd, you're going to know a peace the world cannot give. When all of you guys are united as my body and I am the head of that body, you're going to experience a kind of peace that the world cannot even imagine could happen. But I can make that happen for you. I'm not here to just help people get along. I'm here to give you something you can't even imagine outside of me. I believe that's what he means here. Let me read the rest of this passage. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come, and now he starts quoting Micah 7, 6. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father, listen, here's the key to how this all works. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me, is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. In other words, if you identify yourself as something else primarily and try to fit Jesus into that, it's not going to work. You can't find life that way. You identify yourself as a Christ follower and everything else you can that he allows you to, to fit in that box, that's, a, that's where that could fit in. If you, I don't mean to depress anybody. I'm just telling the truth. And, and Jesus did this kind of stuff. He said this kind of stuff all the time. People were constantly turning away from him. John chapter 6, uh, Jesus starts talking about his flesh being real food and his blood being real drink. And you have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And he didn't, he didn't say out loud, Well, of course I'm not talking about cannibalism. Think, people, think. He didn't say that. And so a lot of people just laughed. They, they, they were like, This is gross. I don't have time to listen. This is nasty. And they just leave. But his real followers who'd already made that decision, no turning back, no turning back, they come a little closer and start asking some some questions. John 6, 6 says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. But a few of them came a little bit closer and they got to stay part of the story. So I got to ask you, are you still part of the story? Maybe maybe you knew everything I've already told. I told you this morning. Maybe you already knew all of that. But are you still wanting to follow Jesus, knowing it means you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross? I might I might just quit then. No, nobody nobody's going to tell me yes? yes. Do you still want to follow Jesus, knowing what it means? I'm asking you a real question here. There we go. Praise God. Let's say that together. We follow Jesus. Can you say that out loud? We follow Jesus. That is who we are. That is what we do. And there's no turning back. It's an action. It's a metaphor. It's a lifestyle. If we follow Jesus, we become and we keep becoming Fully devoted people who understand what full lives really are because we follow the one true shepherd of the sheep, the one true head of the body, the one true captain of the army, the one true savior of the world. We are fully devoted to him and his purposes. We are fully equipped by him and equipped to equip others because of his power and what he has done in us. And we actively, daily follow Jesus. There is no other way to follow him. There's no second thing on the list. There's no other way. You don't subscribe or like or give Jesus a heart emoji. If you're going to follow him, you follow him his way. And he says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me every day. He wasn't kidding when he used that shepherd illustration and said, my sheep know my voice and I lead them out and I bring them back and I protect them. In the... It's a daily experience. Now, I must say, there's a couple of ex- exceptions to this that sometimes make because God is gracious. Here's one example of a way to, quote unquote, follow Jesus, but it's not what we're talking about this morning. Matthew 9, verses 27 to 31. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. You ever heard this story? You know this one? Okay, so they follow him for a little bit and they want to be healed. Well, here's what happens. He heals them and then they leave. And they start telling that story everywhere. And let me tell you, that's a pretty cool story to tell. But that's the only story they had. Because they didn't keep following Jesus. That wasn't their lifestyle. does not want what they did the rest of their lives. They, they got what they wanted and they moved on. And let me tell you something. Jesus might answer your prayers even if you don't follow him. He might. Jesus might do something for you. He might do something kind for you when you ask him. Even if you follow him for a little bit and then don't anymore. He might. But that's not what he's wanting. That's not what he's after. And that is not following Jesus. And if you're just following for a little till he gives you something, that is, you are not a Christ follower. Don't kid yourselves. Here, here's what it looks like more. A few verses earlier than that. Matthew 9, chapter 9, or verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew had been a tax collector. That is what he did. From this moment on, his entire life changed. Now he became a Christ follower. Notice this book that we're reading out of is called Matthew, Not Two Blind Men. Are you with me? He had a lot of stories to tell because his whole life changed. When he followed Jesus, he understood what Jesus really meant from that. The rest of my life, I am a Jesus follower. So why do you follow Jesus? That's a real question, you. Why do you follow Jesus? Are you like the rich young ruler and what you really just want is a thumbs-up emoji from Jesus? You just want an endorsement? You just want to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're doing great. Or woman. I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm just saying, you know, I say that. Man. Hey, man. Anyway. Are you like the crowds? Do you just want him to feed you or take care of you? Are you like the blind man? You just, you got something specific. Maybe you're negotiating with him. God, if you'll just heal this one person, if you'll just give me this one thing, if you'll just help this one person fall in love with me, if you'll just do this one thing, I'll follow you forever. That's not what he's talking about. Some people actually followed Jesus a lot like the religious leaders did. They were actually trying to just trap Him all the time. They were always there. They were right behind Him. They were following Him in one sense of the word, but they certainly weren't His followers. And you probably heard a lot of people say something like this these days. Oh, I used to go to church, but I don't anymore. I love Jesus, but I don't like Christians. I don't like the church. I, I, I love Christ, I don't like Christians. I, I like Jesus, I don't like organized religion. Have you ever heard this? Does this sound familiar? Now I, I wanna tell you, my heart bleeds when I hear that kind of stuff. Because I get it. I've read some of their books. I've, I've talked to some people that I love that feel that way. And, and I get where they're coming from. I get their point. They're saying Christians mess up just like everybody else does. And I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that. I expected more. I, yeah, that, that, that's true. That's real. But let me tell you something about Jesus. You can't love Jesus and not love His people. That's how He set it up. When you follow Jesus, that's no justification for anything wrong Christians do. Don't don't misunderstand me on that. Christians need to straighten up and get stuff fixed. If there's something wrong Christians are doing, they need to stop. If there's something good they should be doing, they need to get on it because they're Christ followers. But you can't love the shepherd and not love the sheep that he lays his life down for. You can't love the head of the body and not love the rest of the body. You can't love the bridegroom and not love the bride. They go together. And Jesus set it up for his followers to follow him together. You can't follow the teachings of Jesus without people to do it with. You can't love one another like you love yourself unless there's somebody else to love. Are you with me? You can't separate those two because we don't follow Jesus the way he doesn't want fans. He doesn't want somebody who likes him on Twitter. He wants you to follow him. And he says, treat my people well. He says, worship and serve and give and all the other things we do together. Devote yourself not only to my teaching, but to fellowship. Are you with me? It's all of it. There's no other way to follow him because this is how he set it up. We follow Jesus. We're devoted to the person, the cause, the activities of Jesus. Let me tell you something. It takes a lot of time. There's a reason that it's called a walk. The reason it's called a relationship. And some of you I know have been following Jesus for a long time. I I look around and a lot of you guys I know... You've been following him for a long time. This is not brand new information. You surrendered 100% to him a long time ago. But let me tell you, just like if you're on a long journey like this, if you're following somebody, there's always going to be a next thing. Are you with me? There's going to be a next curve around to go around, a next hill to go over, next valley to go through. You need to be thinking about what is the next thing Jesus is leading you to or through. You need to be listening for His voice. If you already know His voice, fantastic. But this morning, you need to be asking Him, what are you asking me to do next? Where are you leading me next? And you need to be surrendering to follow Him there. And all the rest of you, if there's anybody here today that's never 100% surrendered to Jesus, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not trying to be creepy, but I, I want you to hear this. Jesus doesn't want you to be His valentine. He's not asking you to the prom. He doesn't want one day. He wants to marry you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. He wants you forever. This is a lifetime thing. You used to be this. You used to do this. But now you are a follower of Jesus Christ. You go where he goes. You do what he does and what he tells you to do. If, so here, no matter where you come from, how long you've known Jesus, this is what I invite you to pray this morning. Lord, I will deny myself the stuff that i don't agree with that god says i'm going to do what he says anyway the stuff i don't understand i'm going to do i'm going to i'm going to follow him regardless and see what happens i'm going to take up my cross i'm going to lock it in some of you this morning, that probably means you need to come forward and make some sort of a public decision. But you, maybe you've never been baptized. I, I don't know what, it needs, what needs to happen. You're going to do something that says, I'm locking this thing in. I am going, I, there is no turning back for me. I have decided to follow Jesus and there is no turning back. You need to lock that sucker in. And you're saying, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you and keep following you. I'm going to go where you lead. I'm going to do what you tell me. I'm going to not do the things you tell me not to do. We're going to stand, we're going to sing, and I invite you to make that decision as we do this. And as we do that, one more time, just remember, this isn't stuff that I'm making up this morning. This is Jesus. There's only one way to follow him. You you are devoted to him. So would you say that this morning? Lord, I will deny myself, take up my cross, follow you. No turning